Good morning. Glad everybody's here. Hey, you know, it's that mean old teacher look, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verses 19 through 24 today. We're talking about treasures of the kingdom. Right? These treasures that, that God provides for us, kingdom of heaven, as we kind of focus there and what that means. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. If not, that is okay. It's on the screen, and you can follow along there as well. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye of the lamp is the body. Sorry, let me read that again. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if, the, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you again so much for the time that you've given to us today to, to gather, uh, to worship you continually as we seek to hear your word and then respond to it. Father, I pray that in this time of uh, of worship through the response and hearing of your word that you would continue to speak to our hearts you would draw us close to you you would convict us you would challenge us you would show us through your word what is right father i ask you would put me aside and let this be a time that would glorify and honor you and you alone and it's in jesus name i pray amen so we're coming to this talk about treasures in heaven or treasures in the kingdom of heaven right we're, we're and it's interesting that jesus brings us to us right after he's taught us how to pray but when he taught us how to pray he's teaching us how to pray for the will of god to be done and he's teaching us to pray for the kingdom of god to come right he he turns the sermon here towards the things of the kingdom and and if you've know much about the the gospel of matthew the gospel of matthew has tons of stuff where he talks or jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god it, it's a it's a theme throughout the entire gospel but he started to kind of turn his sermon just a little bit towards these things as he turns it towards the kingdom of god it's a reminder to us that the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven is worked out in the details of the believer's life it's what you and i as followers of christ are doing that shows the kingdom of heaven to others the kingdom of god to others Jesus calls his followers to truly consider who their master is. That's what he's doing here. Really consider who your master is. Who will you serve? God or will you serve earthly matters and earthly treasures? It's interesting to think about this because we could lose every earthly treasure we have in an instant. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying through the book of Job and Job lost all that he had. And he was a very wealthy man by earthly standards. And all of his earthly wealth and all of his earthly possessions were simply gone in one evening. We think that's an un, you know, we, we can think about that and think about how, how just devastating that would be to us if we were to lose everything. And then we think about it happening now. 
right? Think about the f- poor folks and the unfortunate circumstances of the fire victims in Maui. We think, we think living in Hawaii would be an ultimate paradise until we realize an entire town is lost on the island of Maui. 300, I, th- I believe I, I heard recently 300 confirmed dead in, in, that, in that fire, or is, it, is my number too high? 100, it's 348 missing still. 168 confirmed dead. You know, that, those are hard numbers. Everything they had, everything they owned, loved ones all around them, gone. Right? We also know that, that once we die, we leave behind all of our earthly possessions. You know, um, I, I, I preach a lot of funerals. And there's always kind of a, a weird humor amongst preachers who do a lot of funerals and funeral home directors. And one of the jokes that we, we kind of pass around one another is, well, you never see a U-Haul attached to the hearse, right? Nobody's taking anything with them. That's just not how it works, right? It's a harsh but simple truth. The things of earth are of earth, and the things of heaven are of heaven. And the things of earth perish and decay. But the things of heaven are eternal and everlasting. And, and we, we get into this perspective and understand that the things of earth are earth's, and the things of heaven are heavens, we are in this perspective. This helps us discern what is truly real, what is truly valuable, what is truly lasting in our lives. And the things that are truly real, truly valuable, truly lasting are the things that are truly important. Not just here, but for all of eternity. And in this passage, as we're looking at, at Matthew 6, 19 through 24, this passage, Jesus is teaching us to look at what is truly important. He's calling believers to prioritize what we treasure. He's calling for us to have a kingdom focus on the things of this earth, to focus kingdomly while we're here. And as we see through, throughout his Sermon on the Mount, as, as Jesus is preaching, he's addressing issues of the heart. He's addressing issues of the soul, and he's addressing issues of our will. Jesus wants us to have the right perspective. And when we have the right perspective, we then have the right treasure. When we have the right treasure, we have the right devotion. When we have the right devotion, we then serve the right master. And that's what he's calling us to. And I love that, that we, he's bringing us to this as we've just come out from praying this model prayer. And we see Jesus calling us to three different pursuits from that, right? And, and these, are, these, these are three pursuits that come when we earnestly pray that model prayer that he taught us. Jesus wants us to pursue the treasures of heaven rather than pursue the treasures of earth. Jesus wants us to pursue the light rather than to pursue the darkness. And Jesus wants us to pursue God over money. Life is filled with lots of choices, and life is filled with lots of decisions. And the choices and decisions we make are important. They have eternal consequences. Jesus makes our our decisions really a little more simple here. He he simplifies things. There's, There's two places we can have treasure. We can have treasures in heaven, or we can have treasures on earth. That's it. Those are your two options, A or B. And he's really direct with us when he talks about it. He jumps right in. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is a command. 
In imperative sentences, right? These, these are a command. This is, and this particular verb, as it's used in the Greek, calls for a constant attention to this command. It's a standing order, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. See, we as followers of Christ, we're not to, we're not to prize the things of earth. We're not to, to prize the treasures or the things that are in this world. They don't last. They can be taken away. Jesus wants, to, to, wants us to pursue the treasures that are of heaven rather than the treasures of earth. The things of earth are, are destroyed by moth and rust. I love that. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, the things here on earth are, are destroyed by moth and rust. They simply decay. And the things of earth are, are easy targets for thieves to steal. They're, they're here, to get, to, here today and gone tomorrow. And there's very little we can do to protect them. Right? Years ago, uh, my whole family, my dad, me, my, my uncle, we, we were all into collecting vintage farm equipment. I had a rather large collection of things. Most of my collection was all pre-World War I stuff. Um, and... and I had it on my trailer, had my trailer backed up, had everything covered, and I had worked hard to collect these things, and I had spent some years restoring them, and it was a really fun hobby. We'd get together, and we'd just sit around with a bunch of old guys and shoot the breeze and look at farm equipment. I know, it's nerdy and weird, but it's what we love to do. One night, everything was stolen. Everything. All of it. They left my trailer... But they took the license plate off it even. They stole everything. Every piece I had. But I think about that now. It was a very painful reminder to me that all earthly treasures are transient. They're not here to last. It's much like the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes says, all is vanity or it's a vapor. It's not going to last. See, instead of having treasures here that rust, rotten, can be stolen, Jesus is offering us a better choice. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Again, this is another command that Jesus is giving. Another standing order. Don't do this, but do that. This is something that we are to diligently pursue. And it should be our desire to seek the treasure of heaven rather than the treasures of earth. And what we treasure is what we value. We are called to value the kingdom of God. Charles Quarles has written a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And in that commentary, he says this. He says, in the Sermon on the Mount, the actions that are specifically described as accumulating rewards include persecution and suffering for Jesus' sake, we see that in Matthew 5.12. Loving one's enemies, Matthew 5.46. Giving generous gifts to the poor, Matthew 6.2-4. Fervent and sincere prayer, Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Humble fasting, chapter 6, verses 16-18. through He's saying this to remind us of all of this, right? That Jesus says that these things are worth treasuring. A witness that brings persecution that is, that's, that's worth treasuring. A, loving your enemies, that's worth treasuring. Being generous to those in need, that's worth treasuring. 
Being a humble prayer warrior, that's worth treasuring. These are the things that are real, and these are the things that are lasting. These are the things of value. These things are the things that place your treasure in the safe deposit box of heaven. So we have to ask ourselves, are we, are we making regular deposits in that safe deposit box? Are we taking time to, to be generous to those in need, to love our enemies, to be humble prayer warriors, to, to have a witness that might bring about persecution for, our, for his name's sake? Am I making those deposits? Where is my treasure located? Keep your thumb in, in Matthew chapter 6 here. I'm going to flip over to Luke chapter 12. If you've got a Bible with you, you can. I'm going to look at verses 16 through 21. Verses 16 through 21 in Luke chapter 12, he says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, Ha, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In this parable, Jesus gives us this commentary on what we see in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And, and it helps us make this connection between what's happening in, in verses 19 and 20 and in verse 21, where, where in verse 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. See, the man in the, in the parable stored up treasure here on earth. And because he stored up treasure here on earth, he was poor toward God. And because he was poor toward God, he was poor toward heaven. This still applies to us today. There's no difference between us and, and that farmer building bigger barns. Nothing there. But, but why does it still apply to us? Well, Jesus says, for where your treasure is there, your heart also will be. The heart throughout scripture refers to, to the center of one's being. It's the seat of a person's emotions. It's the, the seat of all their reasoning. It's the seat of their will. And the core tenet of our faith in Christ is that our heart should belong to God and to God alone. God created us. God has redeemed us. God has purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ. And to love anything more than Jesus to treasure anything more than Jesus is an act of cheating on God. That's why he refers to us often in Old Testament Scripture as an adulterous generation. As they treasured things above the Lord their God who created them, redeemed them, and saved them. Jesus continues to teach a little bit on this in Matthew chapter 13, looking at verses, verse 44 in particular. He says, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I've walked a lot of fields. Always thought it was cool if I found a button. I never found a good treasure. But this man finds a great treasure. A great treasure because that treasure that he finds, that treasure is Jesus. Jesus is worth more than anything the world has to offer us. What you treasure shows what is in your heart. And I I pray, I pray, I pray it for myself and I pray it for you, that you treasure Jesus in your heart, that you value him above all else. And Jesus continues, the eye is the lamp of the body, so that if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So the eye in in, in this ancient Near Eastern context is is very similar to the heart. right? Our our eyes and our hearts are are these places that that it points to the the quality of of a person's inner life. Who are they when no one's watching? A healthy eye suggests clear vision. Clear vision is, is, in this instance, a clear loyalty and a devotion to God. A bad eye implies some sort of impaired or cloudy vision, maybe double vision, right? It's some sort of moral corruption and a devotion to earthly things rather than to God. And there's always this conflict between light and darkness, That's a conflict that we see kind of painted throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Light versus dark, right? Light being the good and the holy, dark being the evil of the world. Jesus is bringing up this conflict between light and darkness in this passage again. It's a theme, like I said, throughout all of Scripture. Light is good, darkness is evil. Jesus is calling us to pursue the light, to seek out that which is good rather than to pursue the darkness, that which is evil. The individual here who has a healthy eye has a very single devotion. They're focused. That devotion is on God. That person's gaze is fixed on the things of heaven. The person that that has the healthy eye is, is characterized by their devotion to God. That person understands the value and the truth of Scripture. That person that has the healthy eye knows the things that are really true, that are, that are truly real, that are truly valuable, that are, that are truly lasting, and the things that are truly important in their life. That person values the kingdom of heaven more than earthly things. This person has sights on one treasure. This person has sights on one kingdom. This person has sights on one master. He or she is not going to be distracted by the things of this world. Verse 23, though, we see how Jesus describes how that unhealthy eye affects the whole body. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If a good eye is very singularly focused, and it's singularly focused on the things of God, then an unhealthy eye has a split focus. Or worse, 
It has a singular focus, but it has a singular focus on the things of this earth. See, as, as followers of Christ, those of us who, who love and follow Jesus, we are called to be on guard against this. See, the world is filled with the things that want to lead us away from our, our devotion of, to God. This is why we sang that hymn, This world has nothing for me, yet this world has everything. All that I could ever want and desire, but nothing that I need. The world is filled with things that, that, that seek out and want to split our focus. And if we fall to the trappings of this world, we will see, but we're going to see falsely. And as our eyes then see falsely, they then begin to fill up with darkness. And when they fill up with darkness in your perspective on life, your perspective on priorities, everything you truly find valuable and important is going to be misdirected. You will not see things as they truly are. You will see things wrongly. This is why when we, we talk about that model prayer that Jesus gave us in, the, in, in what we often call the Lord's Prayer, when we start praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is a dangerous and encouraging prayer all at the same time. That when there's sincerity behind that, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're saying that, when we pray that with sincerity, we're saying we want to seek out the Lord above all else. We desire Him above everything else. Whatever He says is what we want. And when we seek out the Lord above all else, we're able to then guard ourselves against the self-deception that's all around us in this world. We're, we're able to, to easily see that the, the things of this world come and go. And we're able to pursue light rather than darkness. This is tough. This is a challenge because it does. The world offers us all sorts of things that look really good. There's lots of shiny new ribbons out there on lots of things, right? We were discussing kind of this concept this morning in small group, and, and I said, you know, I've always said to myself that if, that if the Lord were to bless me with, an, with an, a ridiculous amount of money that I would do all these things, and I, I could list off eight or ten things. I'd pay off all the mortgages for my family. I would donate so much to missions. I would give here to there. I would, all these things I would do, and then I'm saying to myself, I'm lying to myself. And I know I have to be lying to myself about those things that I would do with that money because the Lord's not blessed me with that money. So I'm a liar about these things. I wouldn't do it. I would wind up serving that money rather than serving the God who blessed me with it. That's why it's not here for me. Because I have prayed, deliver me from temptation and deliver me from evil. He's keeping me there. When we pray that Lord's Prayer that Jesus is leading up to here, and we talk about those treasures and we talk about God's kingdom, this is the heart we're going to have. We're going to want to have things in heaven rather than things here on earth. We're going to want to lay that up. And we're going to want to serve our God and Him alone. In verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The old King James Version of the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. And, and Lee and I were talking about that as we were kind of talking over the scripture and the songs uh, this weekend. And like the word mammon 
is more encompassing than money. It's money, it's fame, it's fortune, it's um, all these other things, all the other trappings, if you would. And, and maybe, maybe we don't have a good modern English word for that. But maybe that was a little bit better way of saying it. We can't serve those things. You cannot serve God and all those other things. And Jesus has been teaching us that the, that the true mark of his followers is that their eyes are fixed on heaven. The mark of a true follower of Christ means that their, their eyes are fixed on heaven and not on the things of this earth. And we, as followers of Christ, have been called to have a spiritual vision. But that spiritual vision, that spiritual vision is not divided. That spiritual vision is singularly focused on God. We are called to serve our master, one, the right one, God and God alone. And when Jesus says no one can serve two masters, that, that word we translate serve is the Greek word duoleo. Now, duoleo is an interesting Greek word. It's where we get the word doulos. It's where we get the word servant. We get all sorts of words from this. But it's also the word that indicates the work of a slave, not the work of an employee. This is not a hired hand. The nature of a slave and master relationship is one where the slave must give the master exclusive service. The obvious teaching of Jesus here is that we are to have one master. We are to give that one master exclusive service. And that one master is the one true master, creator of all the universe, God Almighty. We are called to serve God and we are called to serve God alone through Christ. A divided allegiance and loyalty do not work in the kingdom of God. Sure, we can be residents here on earth, but our citizenship and our allegiance should be in the kingdom. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. I like how Spurgeon says it. He says, God and the world will never agree. However much we attempt it, we shall never be able to serve both. You can live for this world, or you can live for the next, but to live equally for both is impossible. We can only satisfy one master. You cannot serve God in money. See, this, this divided loyalty is not an option. You cannot serve two masters at once. But we've talked about this, right? The, the big issue here is, is not what you have. It's not whether or not you do have wealth. It's not whether or not you do have hobbies. It's not whether or not you have cars and houses and garages and, and all this fun stuff. That's not the issue. God has, has given those things to us as a blessing to us for his good pleasure too. The issue isn't what we have. The issue is who or what controls you. The big issue is for whom or for what do you live? See, if you're living for God, you simply cannot love money and all the things that money buys. And if you live for money, well, you cannot live for God. These are, the, these, these are, these are where we're at. Jesus understood our human nature, right? It's, it's always amazing to stop and think and go, wait, Jesus, Son of God, the only begotten, 
was still also fully human in flesh, right? He got hungry, he got sleepy, he cried, all of those things. So he understood how we as people have a limited amount of devotion. He understood how we as people have a limited amount of love to give. He understood that as we as people have a limited amount of service that we can give and that we have to make choices. But he also understood that the more we desire and love earthly trappings and the more we desire and love earthly treasures, the less we are going to love God. So he's calling us, commanding us, teaching us to to desire and love God more. And the more that we love God, the less we love earthly treasures, the less we love earthly trappings. See, anything that we substitute for God is going to take us down and take us away from God. Having only God as our God alone will bring us back up and keep us to Him. Right? This is, this is what He's asking us to do, is to have sufficiency in Him and Him alone. As part of that, as we looked at that, the, the prayer, the, the model prayer, that says part of that, give us this day our daily bread. Being sufficient in God and what God provides for us. As Paul says it in, I love this, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation of the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. As I think about this, I think, wow. That's it. He's not saying don't be rich. He's saying if you are, focus on God. Stay there, focused on God. Have anything that you have, any possession you have, focus it on God. When I look at this, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And may this be the passion of our hearts today. May this be the passion of our hearts forevermore, that we are rich in good works, that we are generous and ready to share for the glory of our Lord. But I'm reminded that that all of these things sound good as long as I know Christ. And these things work as long as I know Christ. But if I don't know Jesus, if I'm, I'm not His, then this is platitudes, and it doesn't work. Right? What I have to be, before I can do any of these things, I have to recognize where I'm at in relationship to a holy and just God. I have to know that I am a rebel who has been rebelling against God since my birth. But here's the beautiful thing I have a God who loves me enough that he turns rebels into saints. Because he looked at my situation and he saw how desperate it was, how I needed rescued. And he said, I will provide for you a way to be rescued. I will sacrifice what you cannot sacrifice. I will give what you cannot give. 
I will do it through my only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And the work that he does on the cross pays the debt that you owe for your sin that you could never really repay. That's who my God is. And all I have to do is hear him call me and say, God, I am, I am low and I am a sinner and I need you to rescue me. Rescue me so that I may be kingdom focused. Rescue me for your glory and for your sake. Rescue me so that I may pursue the treasures of heaven rather than the treasures of earth. See, if we truly desire that, we have to be rescued to do it. And if we desire the truth and a true life, we're going to pursue the treasures of heaven rather than the treasures of earth. And we're going to do it through the power of Christ in our lives. And if we desire true life, we're going to pursue that. We're going to pursue the light rather than the darkness. And we have to do it through the power of Christ in our lives. And if we desire true life, we will, we will pursue God over money. And we have to do that through the power of Christ in our lives. And if we are really seeking true life in the Lord, we do it through the power of Christ in our lives. And when we do it, we will not settle for being rich here on earth. We will choose to be rich toward God, rich in heaven, and rich toward God, meaning we have blessings eternally. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this this time we've had to be in your word. We thank you that you speak to us so plainly sometimes. Father, we, we thank you that, that you have taken us from being rebels. Those who know, know you and walk with you, you've taken us from being rebels and, and you're making us saints. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you that, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ paid the sin debt that I owe. And I thank you that through repentance to him, I can come before you and I can be adopted into your family, a joint heir with Jesus Christ into these heavenly treasures. Father, I pray that if anybody's listening through our, our simulcast, anyone here has, has not made that connection to Jesus, has not made that that relationship yet they're they're hearing that call that father i pray that you would just continue to work in their lives that you would pull them out that they would come to jesus today fathers we get ready to enter into our time of of call to action and an invitation i pray that you would have us consider who do we genuinely serve are we serving you our one true master are we serving earthly matters and earthly treasures Father, I pray that as, as we consider these things, you would speak to our hearts through your word. You would challenge us. You would convict us. You would draw us close to you. Father, let us glorify you in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray.